It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the, to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Gross. Yes! Caught! Touchdown! They did it! Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hour 2, Full Court Press. Jason Walker here. Eric Franson sitting across from me. Still got a lot of things to go over in this hour, too. We've got Stat to Blow Our Mind, Player of the Week. We've got our own, you know, the, the Mountain West media poll for men's basketball is going to come out uh, tomorrow, I believe. But we're going to give our own thoughts. We're going to give our own little ballots, you know, what if we were voting. And so we'll, we'll reveal our list of how we think the teams are going to line up. So I, I got a lot of things. I got a lot of... I had a lot of ink on my list. <laughs> Scratching things out. I what? scratched uh, a lot. Yeah, I had. I initially just, okay, this is what I think. And then I started to do some research and look back at a few things. And no, this, guy, this, this team can't be that high. This team can't be that low. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have scratched out a couple. I did. I came in here with it on this pad. And I was like, I was like, no, I flipped a couple of teams. And I don't know, I'm kind of iffy on a couple others. So we'll see. I may be a little higher on Utah State than maybe I should, but what the heck? <laughs> We're broadcasting the Logan. I might as well be biased. That's right. That's true. So, uh, Did you, by chance, consider how many teams you think will make it to the NCAA tournament and how many might make it to the NIT? I don't really think about the NIT because I know we talked about this yesterday where I was like, I think, you know, at minimum, probably a two-bid league. Third team, if somebody kind of steps up and surprises a little bit. Four, if basically there's a possibility for four, if we have that three-team scenario and a random team wins the tournament. Right. So, like, maximum of four, more likely two, maybe three. Because as I looked at it, I've got two solid NCAA tournament teams. And then I think I've got two NIT teams. Yeah, I, I, I think that's... That's probably fair. You get two, maybe three NIT. Yeah. Probably just the two. Might end up only being one NIT team if the one, you know, surprises and jumps into the NCAA. Yeah, and that's true. It's a possibility. Because the conference could be, you know, at least on the top end, the, the, there's, in my mind, a separation between two and three. There's a pretty good gap. Yeah. And then there's kind of a couple of teams in the middle of there, and then there's another drop-off. There's a few teams, and there's another drop off at the bottom. Yeah, there's like a tier. So maybe we should have, maybe we should have prepared and had like a tier list <laughs> uh, of where these teams are. I could probably cut off tier one, and then tier two. Yeah, I could probably. There's a few different tiers I could do here. Yeah, I mean that's if I had to, I could. Yeah, easily. Yeah, I think I can get four tiers. We'll see if we agree or disagree. You might have more or less. Uh, no, I can. I can. Do I see it in four. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the cutoff for between that third and four, I kind of like. I don't know. We'll see. If, <laughs> we'll see how much I like it when I actually have 
to say it out loud <laughs> and commit to it. Because right now, you know, we can put all the ink we want, and then at some point we have to – that's always the, the tricky point is the moment where you have to commit, all right, this is my prediction. And then the moment you say it out loud, you're like, eh, I didn't like that. Can I take it back? <laughs> yes. Happens all the time. Uh, we do have one uh, text coming in. Um, if you want to text into the show, 435-339-0321. That's the text line. Uh, texts are open. We're open for business on text. Uh, so 6543, he says, the NCAA should limit the teams from this conference until they show they can win a game. <laughs> yeah, the Mountain West hasn't really helped itself much with sending a bunch of teams and then not having them perform. And so it, it, we have these ebbs and flows where – we, we go, we have a year like we did last year. We're like, oh, all the, there's all this great basketball in the Mountain West. We got to send multiple teams, like a lot of teams from the Mountain West to the tournament because there's great basketball happening there. And then they all underperform. And then it kind of, the pendulum swings the other way. Like, ah, oh, we gave you a chance and you didn't take advantage of it. So you fooled us. And then they don't get very many teams into the tournament again for a little while because everybody's like, nah, you're just fool's gold over there. Yeah. I, I think the only two teams we've really seen perform well in the last few years were San Diego State and Nevada. I think both of them have had a, like one deep run each, I think. Yes. Because Nevada, I think, made it to the Sweet 16, right? Mm-hmm. And then did San Diego State do the same? Or did they only make it to, I guess... Uh, that's good. I guess <sighs> Sweet 16, you have to make it there for it to count as a deep run because that's just two, yeah, I mean, two, two, two wins gets you to Sweet 16. How, how deep is a deep run <laughs> in Mountain West standards? It's not that it's deep. Two wins, I guess. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to look it up. Um, but yes, those, those two teams have somewhat represented, or at least Nevada, unless I'm just misremembering San Diego State going to the Sweet 16 one time. Um, yeah, there hasn't been much good representation lately. But I, I still want them to keep going because, you know, I root for these teams. You know, it's like we're talking about you know, Boise State playing non-conference games or at least uh, especially maybe their bowl games or whatnot. I'm usually rooting for Boise State to, you know, kind of represent the conference well despite some of my, you know, <laughs> the fact that I've uh, been rub- rubbed the wrong way by a lot of fans. Um, kind of same with BYU. But, you know, I still want them to perform well. And those, those are important financial units to the Mountain West when those teams make those runs. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we want them. There's sometimes, I know there was one year I think I was rooting against Nevada and another year I was rooting against San Diego State just because there's a bit of rivalry spirit there and it's like, ah, I don't want you to do well. Okay, so San Diego State made the Sweet 16 in 2011 and 2014. Okay. 2015, they just made it to the round of 32. Uh, and then 18, 21, and 22, they've just had first-round exits. So, certainly not bad. Utah State's only had first-round exits or nothing at all for 20 years now. Yeah. So, all right, really quick. Want to get to Stat the Blue Our Minds and Player of the Week. Ooh, all right. Uh, I don't have the fancy intro audios queued up. So that means you have to do it yourself. All right. (laughs) Boom, ba da ba da boom boom. It's time for the stat that blew our minds. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Maybe we're going to regret saying that. (laughs) Please don't change the channel. (laughs) 
All right, Eric, let's let's start with you. Okay, so Saturday night, I, we were focused on the football game, but there was a baseball game that was pretty epic. Baseball? But not for all the right reasons. I mean, when <laughs> 18 innings, Astros eventually beat the Mariners one nothing. Uh, but that was the second game in postseason history to be scoreless through 13 innings, and both happened just this last week. Uh, it was the first scoreless playoff game through 15 or more innings. It tied for the longest postseason game by innings and uh, the fourth to go to 18. And it was the third longest postseason game, which went six hours and 22 minutes. That's nuts. That is incredibly long. And, you know, the concessions probably shut down, like in the eighth inning. And, like, hours ago, and you're still there? Yeah, it's like at that point it's not even worth it. It's not even exciting baseball. It's, oh, he's pitching. Oh, it's another pitching change. And, oh, another guy struck out. And it's like, what are you – are you even playing baseball at that point? (laughs) No. So it just blew my mind just how long it went and just some of the the things to consider with the, the, the length of the ball game. All right, so I'll go to mine. So I, so also during that football game, I got distracted looking something up because uh, I just got fixated on this one stat trying to figure it out. So uh, in that game, Utah State had four different players attempt to pass. Cooper Lagarde, Levi Williams, Bishop Davenport, and Terrell Vaughn threw one on a trick play. So that's the first time Utah State has had four players throw a pass in a single game. Since 2004, September of 2004, in a game against Alabama, and I forgot to write down who those four players were, but it was like and it was another game where there was like three quarterbacks and then one skill position player. So it's just like so many <laughs> players throwing a pass, and uh, also kind of as a companion to that, this season seven different players have thrown the ball for Utah State at Whoa. So. And that's the first time it's happened since 2000. Wow. So it's a lot of people are throwing the ball for Utah State. Okay, so you got the four quarterbacks, Terrell Vaughn. Um, Brian so, Cobbs. Brian Cobbs. Stephen Cottonley did yes, one on a fake one. punt. And that's all of them. And that's that gets us to seven. Yeah, okay. So there, there's, <laughs> wow. There you go. It's just a lot of, a lot of people throw on the rock for Utah State. All yes. right. Now let's move it on to player of the week, and I'm not giving you an intro. Just go. <laughs> uh, I have to give mine to Dalton Kincaid, the tight end at Utah. Uh, he just had an outstanding performance in their game against USC. Uh, 16 receptions for 234 yards and one touchdown. Surprising he only got one touchdown out of all of that. But uh, he was one reception shy of the single game a college football record for a tight end. And uh, here's the other thing that's kind of surprising here. This may have been in the stat that blew my mind, but Cam Rising was 16 of 16 when he was targeting Kincaid in that 43-42 to 42 victory. Dang, that's pretty good. They don't call tight end security blankets for nothing. No. I mean, it easily could have gone to Cam Rising, but I had to give it to Kincaid. Yeah, you got to give it to the guy who's just all of the completions. Yes. Uh, so my player of the week is actually the second time I'm giving a player week to this person. Sergio Cordova, or Scordova, as we like to call him, had two goals in what was unfortunately a losing effort for Real Salt Lake, but he had a goal in the third minute, scored a penalty later, 
put RSL up 2-0. RSL should have won based off of that effort, but then they blew it, and they lost to Austin FC in penalties to end their season. So They were there. Just really disappointing. Yeah, that's frustrating, especially when you score and you get up like that early and you have that opportunity to just, just hold on, just seal the deal. Yeah. 15th minute, they were up 2-0. And by the end, they lost 3-1 in penalties. Which I don't know how you lose 3-1 in penalties. Like, the heck? Yeah, th- those were, I saw, I didn't see all of them, but I saw quite a few of those attempts, and they were a lot of bad attempts. Yeah. And that's the thing with penalties. I don't know if I've ever seen a goalkeeper make a save where it wasn't partially the kicker's fault. If you don't score a penalty, it's your fault. You should always beat the keeper. Unless you're just not good enough, which is the case for most people. Yeah. They're not good enough yeah. to do that every time. But if you're good enough, the keeper, no matter how good the keeper is, you will always beat him if you know where to put it in an accurate enough to put it there every time. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like that. Uh, if go. you've got a player that stood out to you, we'd love to get your uh, nominations, your recommendations on our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. All right, so we got to move on. So we, we teased this multiple times now. We were just talking about it before we went to our stat and player. Our ballots for you know the, 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 the finish of how Mountain West men's basketball is going to go. So if you do this like, you know, one to one, like who we think is going to finish first and then second. Do you want to go up from the bottom? Uh, well, let's go top down. Okay, because I think that's um, early on. I think it's well. I guess if you go from the bottom up, I think we'll be pretty close to the same there too. But. Yeah, it's that middle where we begin to do. Because that's the thing is you can pick the top teams, you can pick the bottom teams, and it's like, all right, what do I do with like the middle five? Like, right. The, the, that's always tricky. It's always very complicated to try to determine that. It's just kind of muddied in there. But <clears throat> number one, I mean, is it anybody else but San Diego State? No, that's that's who I got. San Diego State, you know, they're 19th in the AP poll. They've got a lot of players. You know, most people are projecting them to have player of the year on their team. So it's like, just go with them. <laughs> like, who else? Well, I, I think that... Um, I actually think the player of the year is going to come from Wyoming. I actually think they have two guys who could challenge to be that player of the year when it's all said and done. It could either be Hunter Maldonado or it could be Graham Ike. Um, and uh, for for that and many other reasons, I've got Wyoming at number two um, in my in Mountain West preseason poll. Yeah, so I've also got Wyoming at number two. So <laughs> not much difference there so far. We're really spicing it up and for me that's my top tier that's my tier number one it's just those two teams which is a little disappointing in years past i think we could have gone four maybe even five teams and say this is all tier one it's going to be a great battle don't know who's going to win great talent up and down all these teams but this year i only see two teams in that top tier in the mountain west yeah we've had plenty of years with three and yeah even four sometimes but yeah this year i like i said i i drew that line right beneath number two and then I've got three teams in my second tier. I don't know. If... I do too. Okay. So let's see how this goes. All right. I'll go ahead and go first with number three. I am. Um, it was tricky who I wanted to put at number three and number four. It's just like, who's that third and fourth best team? 
And I ended up going with New Mexico. Hmm. So I think they'll manage to get a little bit higher than they have in years past. So I think they'll manage to at least get up to number three, maybe number four. Uh, for number three on my list, I also have the Lobos. I think they had some young, raw talent last year that's coming back. It's a lot expected of them. They had two players who averaged like, what, 18, 19 points a game, and they're back. And uh, Richard Patino, I think, you know, give them a little bit more time. They've got some real talent there. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the, the surprises because they've struggled for a little while, and I think this is part of them bouncing back. I think there's some expectations on them. They're not quite in the top tier yet, but they're. Uh, I, I think they're an NIT-bound team this year. Yeah, I think so. All right, so at number four, I've got Boise State. Hmm. You know, they did lose some, some guys, but I think there's some guys who can step up. Leon Rice... He can make things happen. He's a good coach. And Boise State's always at least decent. They're never bad, at least you know, with Leon Rice. So just, again, that's somewhere in Tier 2, but I believe they're going to come in around number 4. I also have Boise okay. State at number 4. <laughs> All right, my next pick is San Jose State at <laughs> number 4. No. Just to be different. <laughs> no, I like Boise State. I know they lost some key players, but they had, a, they had the freshman of the year last year, he's a dynamic player. He's going to be back with more talent and more opportunity. I'm, I'm with you. Leon Rice, he's not my favorite coach. I think there's some idiosyncrasies with him that drive me nuts. I think he has a good regular season, then he collapses at the end. But he always coaches a pretty solid basketball team, and I think there's enough talent there coming back that they're going to be the number four team in the Mountain West. All right, so number five, both me and Eric, since apparently I'm just, we just have the same, so I'm just saying both me and Eric have UNLV at number five. Uh, I did not have UNLV. Oh, there we go. Finally a difference. <laughs> so I had UNLV at five. Um, who do you have at number five? I put Colorado State. Now, okay. I debated. This is the team that went on the biggest yo-yo for me. Uh, initially, I dropped them pretty low on the news of the Isaiah Stevens uh, foot injury. But there are other players there that are good, and uh, Nico Medved is a good coach. So I'm kind of similar to Boise State where they lost players. Colorado State probably lost more, but there are still some good players there, and that's a good coaching staff. So for that reason, I've got Colorado State at number five. See, I really penalize Colorado State in my rankings. I probably I probably would have had them. I probably would have had them like number four if they hadn't lost Stevens. But I think yeah. his loss is just huge to where yeah. that's that's the Big guy blow. that leads the team and there's such an impact with that. Where it makes everything easier for everyone else and it, you know raises everyone else's level. When you don't have that, suddenly everyone's struggling. So that that was my reason behind dropping Colorado State to you'll find out in a couple spots. Yeah, so that's the end of my Tier 2, and it's also the end of yours, so we have a yes. difference in tiers slightly now. All right, so Tier 3, I'll let you go first on that one. Andy. At number 6, I have UNLV. Uh, I have the Rebels there. Uh, a team that normally has interesting talent but underperforms. Uh, lost a lot of guys last year, but they always have high, highly regarded recruiting classes. Um, but I, I think... Because of that alone, they, they're going to have some talent. They're going to scare some people. So I've, I've got UNLV at number six. 
So this is where I say I probably have Utah State too high. That's who I have at number six. Right mm. now, you know, I go up and down on the teams I follow, and right now, you know, I'm riding the optimistic wave with Utah State. You know, going to that scrimmage, and I, you know, saw some things where I feel like there's room for this team to be good. Some of that's maybe me hoping that Max Shulga is going to suddenly become an every-night scorer. Um, again, I'm just riding an optimistic wave where I think there's room for this team to be good defensively, maybe even borderline great defensively, and be good enough on offense to be in the middle of the pack. Hmm. Okay. So, again, like I said, being optimistic here, might, might as well. Might as well. Might as well. Uh, uh, at number seven, who do you have at number seven? Uh, Colorado State. That's where they hmm. fell all the way down to. Okay. Uh, in, in that place, I've got Nevada. Uh, Nevada was the most disappointing, I think, from the Mountain West a year ago uh, with all the hype that they had with their coach. Um, but that being said, they have made some changes. There was, I think they've cleaned out whatever the miscontent was going on there in their locker room. And uh, they can be a dangerous team. So uh, proud heritage there. Um, and I've got Nevada at number seven. All right. Number eight. Who do you got at number eight? That's where I have Utah State. And that, I labored with that one, too. Um, I had them as high as six at one point. I eventually put them at eight. Just I'm, I haven't seen Taylor in this offense um, I, I'm concerned about his foot injury, and I'm concerned about the, can the Aggies get enough points? Will they have enough guys to to score points to stay uh, to stay in this uh, in the hunt in this league? And what will they do on their interior defense? Um, those are my biggest questions for me. I really hope I'm wrong, but I got Utah State at eight. Yeah, I think for me the optimistic streak has only happened because I've suddenly become more optimistic about maybe Max Shulga being able to score or. Taylor Funk being able to score, them kind of platooning as dual lead scores. Although I'm not even sure if Max Shulga is going to start, because I'm not sure if Ryan Odom has the guts to bench RJ Idlerock. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm uh, in a, in a couple weeks. I'm probably going to be saying, "Oh, Utah State's going to finish like tenth, and they're going to be terrible." And uh, but who did you have at number eight? At number eight, I had Fresno State. Interesting. So okay. I know that they've got a you know really big man to replace, literally, literally in uh, Orlando Robinson. But uh, I think they'll at least manage to be okay. You know, they usually bring in some athletes, and so I think they're at least going to be. Well, I mean, at that point, number eight, your bottom half of the conference. So I guess they won't be okay. Uh, at number nine, I have Fresno State. All right, and that's where I have my cutoff for my next tier. Yeah. After uh, so, number nine. Yeah, number nine, I have Nevada. That's where I've got them. And hmm. I also cut off the end of that tier. So, tier four, the last two teams, we'll see uh, if we match on this one. I'll, I'll say at number 10, I have San Jose State. Same. Uh, they only had, what, six, seven wins all last year? And their best player is back. Well, yeah, their best player is back. Tim Miles is trying to rebuild something there. That's not an easy, quick turnaround process. But just because Tim Miles is there, I didn't put them dead last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so at, at dead last, we uh, we both have Air Force. Yes. So just just a team that it's really hard for them to be good in basketball. 
Like in football, they can run the triple option, and it's kind of gimmicky enough to catch people off guard, and they run it super well, and teams aren't ready for it. There's not really an equivalent of that in college basketball. Yeah, there, I mean, there's the Princeton offense when it's it's cutting and you know movement and you know being precise, but you it just it doesn't trump just raw talent and you have a hard time getting that at the Air Force Academy like some of these other schools can get. Yeah, you got to get guys with length, speed, athleticism, because those things really matter in college basketball. They matter in football, but they really matter in basketball. It's yeah. Like, it's arguably the most athletic sport. And when it's one of the most athletic sports, you need athletes. <laughs> you need athletes. So, yeah, so there's our preseason Pre preseason Mountain West poll, <laughs> the uh, official one comes out tomorrow. Uh, we'll update you on that. Uh, who they think the preseason players of the year will look like, um, and uh, first team. If any Aggies might end up on any honorable mention lists, I don't see them on any first or second teams. I saw them on. I saw one player on a second team All Mountain West ballot. That's I saw Taylor Funk. That's who it was. Hmm. So, and it's not even like a mainstream. It was like. The Almanac from the Field of 68, they did like their whole huge preview, kind of like Phil Steele does his. Oh, right. They were basically trying to emulate that with this. Seems like they did an all right job. I've used it for my research. So, seems all right. And they, and they have Taylor Funk on the second team. So, so that that's our thing. We're going to go to break really quick when we come back. Uh, probably talk a little bit NBA. We'll see. Eric's got a got a ditch soon so uh yeah i'm gonna skedaddle i'm gonna head up to utah state um catch some players after practice haven't been able to get up there the last couple of weeks uh plan on talking to calvin tyler jr and hale motuapuaka get their thoughts about how things are progressing so far and getting ready for wyoming yeah so when, when we'll have a couple minutes of a maybe i don't know you might have to leave before we come back so this might be the last we hear from eric but i'll probably talk a little bit of nba maybe go over a little bit of you know, predictions, kind of like we were doing here with Mountain West basketball, we'll maybe do it in the NBA, since NBA starts today. But we'll be back after this on 106.9. Your first and goal at the 10-yard line with seconds left on the clock. Your running back is poised for the game-winning touchdown, but before you can make the snap, the opposing team just takes the ball and locks it in a safe, and they won't give you the combination unless you pay them $10,000. That's exactly how ransomware works. And in 2021, two out of every three organizations fell victim to ransomware attacks. Protect your business with Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lesolson.com. Why schedule your appliance repair with Daryl's? Because we are factory trained and have experience in parts and stock to get your appliance fixed efficiently and quickly. Hi, I'm Brian, the service manager at Daryl's. We guarantee your satisfaction and promise to give you the five-star service you deserve. Remember, we can compete with their price, but they can't compete with our service. Daryl's, west on Airport Road. Open till 6 on weekdays, 5 p.m. on Saturdays. See Daryl's Appliance in beautiful downtown Benson. 
Remember last October's huge snowstorm that destroyed trees all over Cache Valley? Bobby and his crew at Hall Tree Care were the most popular guys in town. Yeah, high five. Not saying that will happen again. However, I just looked at the forecast for winter and it calls for snow. Snow can wreak havoc in your overgrown trees and shrubs, which can wreak even more havoc in your home and vehicles. Call Hall Tree Care before winter gets here. 760-6587. Ask about their radio discount. That's H-U-L-L Tree Care. Join us at Prodigy Brewing to celebrate Oktoberfest. Delicious specials going on now through the end of October. Come on down and enjoy brats and German potato salad served with our house-made sauerkraut and mustard, tankards, and house-brewed beer. You keep the tankard. Find us on Instagram for updates on new events throughout the month of October. Whether you're out with the family or friends, Prodigy Brewing is the place to be in Cache Valley, located at 25 West Center Street in beautiful downtown Logan. The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs. With competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. I've been driving trucks for a long time. Safety is my number one priority. I know that my truck has huge blind spots. That's why I remember to check my mirrors often for smaller vehicles. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're behind the wheel, try to avoid lingering in those blind spots. It can be dangerous. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. All right, we're back. More Full Court Press. Eric Franson hanging out with me a little while longer. I'm Jason Walker, in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, so we have a caller. And he, he tells me he's got a stat that will blow our minds. Ooh. He was he was really persistent in calling in. Oh, we were getting through our last segment. He was he was calling. So we're gonna bring in uh, Jan, and he's got a stat that will blow our minds. Jan, go ahead. All right. Well, I'm glad Eric decided to stick around for this one because it'll be worth it. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So of course we're gonna go to the world of hockey. Um, last week was the um, opening of the regular season for the NHL. And in the first game of the season, uh, Edmonton Oilers superstar Connor McDavid scored a hat trick and had an assist in the first regular season game. A hat trick is three goals in one game. Mm -hmm. Impressive. No. All right. So Connor McDavid getting a hat trick is not unusual, but here is the stat. It is the third year in a row that Connor McDavid has opened the regular season with a hat trick. What? Oh, dang. And that's not all. It's the fourth time in his just six-year career that he's opened the regular season with a hat trick in his first game. Oh, my word. Jeez. And that stat is what will blow your mind. <laughs> yes. I think it kind of did. Yes. Might have to clean the ceiling here in the studio. That was great. I yeah, thanks for calling in. That was awesome. Yeah. I think. Have a good one. That is nuts. 
I mean, hello. Welcome to the season. <laughs> it's like, this is a guy who shows up for game one. God. It's like, man, I've been practicing this whole offseason. I'm about to show you my stuff. <laughs> Don't mess around. Find out what's in his, like, his, his game one water bottle. You need to test it for, for steroids or something. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Yeah, that that is a good stat. Those are the kind of stats that I love. I know I, I I like looking for little weird stats and things like that, and and I end up tweeting them out. And uh, I know I put it in my from the notebook. Uh, if you read that, um, so just love throwing those things in there. So we're gonna go ahead and say goodbye to Eric. He's right, already yep. I got a jet. Yeah, he's he's got to go do some <laughs> interviews, do some real journalism, <laughs> boots on the ground journalism. So say goodbye to Eric. He'll be back um, tomorrow. We'll be both be back tomorrow, obviously at four. Um, and just, just a programming note, uh, obviously we'll have the show tomorrow, but on Thursday, the show's going to be basically non-existent. There might be a, a stretch, um, later because what's happening on Thursday is we're going to be covering, uh, the 4A girls soccer playoffs. And actually, if you tune in around the showtime, you will hear me talking, uh, cause I will be on on this channel, on 106.9, the fan. But I will be in Draper at Juan Diego High School, and I'll be calling the the 4A girls soccer playoffs, the first game starting at about 3 o'clock. It's scheduled for 3 o'clock. It'll be Mountain Crest against Green Canyon. And then at supposedly 5.30, depending on how scheduling goes and how late the Mountain Crest Green Canyon game goes, Skyview will play Snow Canyon. Skyview, who just finished... uh, Upsetting the two seed Ridgeline. I actually was fortunate enough to be able to call that game, watching uh, Skyview beat Ridgeline 1 0 in overtime. Kind of at the death of that first overtime, Amelia Fonua scores a, a goal from, I think, from watching the video again, it was like 39 yards away from the goal. And she just drops a, you know, kind of a, a long ball right underneath the crossbar. So we'll have some, some girls' soccer on Thursday. And then Friday, we've got the Skyview game on here, and I can't remember when the Skyview game kicks off, but that'll uh, make the show a little more abbreviated. So got a lot of high school stuff going on this weekend, which unfortunately will shorten this show a little bit, but you still get a lot of great sports content from around the Valley, so I don't know. I guess it's kind of the same. So one thing... I wanted to bring up, I, I said we might go to NBA. I think I'm going to kick that down to another segment because there was one stat. We're going back to stats that kind of blow our mind. This one didn't so much blow my mind as I thought it was just interesting. Um, and I ended up putting it in my preview for the game, which I think should come out later today. But basically it was a contrast between Utah State and Wyoming. Because one of the themes with Utah State this season is that they always have so many penalties. And like they, they managed to turn some things around on their offense after uh, after the Weber State game. They managed to kind of rediscover their offense, get some more yards. Didn't help against UNLV a ton uh, because they had a ton of turnovers. Um, but they were at least moving the ball some in that game. And then they slowly kind of progressed until last week was kind of just a fluke because because of reasons we've already gone over quite a bit already, you know, going down to your fourth string quarterback. But with penalties, 
things have pretty much stayed the same. In the last game, Utah State they had nine penalties, nine penalties that were accepted for, I believe, 93 yards. And that's about on par with their season average. Their season average in penalties, 9.3 penalties per game. They have 65 penalties this season. And the 65 penalties is second most in the FBS. The most is actually Alabama at 66. So I guess, you know, a decent company, I guess. And I'm sure Nick Saban's absolutely loving that. He's probably lighting into his team every day for those penalties. Um, but so 9.3 penalties per game for 84.3 yards. So obviously they had like 10 more yards. Um, last time out, 10 more than their average. But generally speaking, the Aggies are like one of the worst teams in terms of being disciplined and not having penalties. Wyoming are one of the best teams at not having penalties. They're sixth in penalties per game. 4.1. Less than half of the penalties that Utah State gets per game. And then they're ninth in yards penalized per game at 37.1. So basically, Utah State is getting twice as many penalties for twice as many yards as Wyoming. If you're just doing some kind of some quick and dirty math. And that's something that could definitely flip this game. Because in you know most scenarios where I imagine Utah State winning, I imagine them scoring in the you know around 20. And then Wyoming, you know, pretty similar. Maybe a slightly higher scoring version of the Colorado State game we just had. But penalties. They're drive killers, or in some cases, if they're on defense, they're drive extenders. And in a potentially low-scoring game, if Utah State gets into one of those, they cannot afford to be giving up or you know, killing drives or extending the opponent's drives. Those kind of things get you know, exaggerated so much more in these low-scoring games because one drive dramatically alters the game. You know, that one touchdown drive for, for Utah State, where they go from 10 to 17, that was the game-changing drive. It's why Bishop Davenport was the freshman of the week. He doesn't go on that drive. He doesn't win freshman of the week. It was because Utah State had that drive that they were able to win the game. They were able to hold on. One single drive changed the entire game. But let's imagine that in the middle of that, Utah State had like a holding penalty and then a false start. Well, suddenly that drive doesn't happen, doesn't go for a touchdown. You know, or, or imagine if Colorado State, instead of, you know, throwing the interception, what if Utah State had jumped offside and that interception hadn't counted? Or if Utah State had committed pass interference and the penalty didn't count? Granted, there was a penalty on that, that pick six toward the end of the, uh, because there was a holding that took away the touchdown and then unsportsmanlike conduct. So in that way, like you can see how much penalties actually impacted that game because instead of a close, you know, I guess the game was kind of already over at that point, Utah State just drove out, you know, ran out the clock. But they could have assured it by going up 24-13 instead of having to take. They had to take five minutes off the clock. They had to gain like three first downs. They made it hard on themselves. And Utah State can't afford to make things hard on themselves. 
So that that was just kind of one thing I thought was interesting where as far as penalties, like are penalties going to change this game? Are we going to go into this and say, all right, Utah State got penalized 10 times for 109 yards and Wyoming was only penalized like three times. Are we going to be in here on Monday saying that was the difference in the game? Because the touchdown drive for Utah State was killed off or because Wyoming got a pass interference call that helped them go up like, you know, 23, you know, 13, ended up, you know, keeping Utah State away from, from coming back in the game. So that's the thought on that. We're going to go to a break really quick. We'll be back. Going to talk a little bit of NBA, some predictions, you know, season predictions. You know, the who's going to be the champs, who's going to be the MVP, the low-hanging fruit. Because NBA starts today, and we got to have these. Now, if you want to send in your predictions, you know, who's – going to be the NBA champ, who's going to win MVP, who's going to win some of these other superlatives, you know, go ahead and send that in on the text line. It's 435-339-0321. We'll be back after this on 106.9. This is Jarek with Jarek's Fine Jewelry. This October is our 14th year anniversary. So to celebrate, we want to treat you to an anniversary date. Make it a date night on us. Come engagement ring or anniversary ring shopping at Jarek's Fine Jewelry. We have thousands of designs to choose from, including the newest custom designs. With no strings attached and no purchase necessary, we will buy your dinner at Bloom Eatery. The entire month of October, come in ring shopping and Bloom is on us. Make date night special. Make it Jarek's. Hi, this is Tyler. Recently, my father passed away, and White Pine provided the funeral services for our family. They were friendly, thoughtful, and attentive to every detail. You know, it isn't often that a loved one passes away, so it was very important to my family that everything be handled just right. Because my dad was loved by so many people, we had a lot of family and friends that traveled from out of town. I really appreciate how White Pine Funeral Services made sure everyone was comfortable and that the focus was where it needed to be, on my dad and my family. They really took care of us during this tender time. Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally without all the red tape by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank, growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. And now, the, the, the Dan Patrick Show. Dan Patrick. <laughs> Judge has had a historical season, but that doesn't mean that you should give him a 10-year deal, which is probably what he's going to want. He's going to be 31 at the start of next season. There have been injuries. That's not a great combination for somebody looking for probably a 10-year contract. Every player ages differently. The Dan Patrick Show. Dan and the Danettes and you. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. And we're back. More, more full court press here on 106.9 The Fan. Jason Walker with you here. Eric Franson has gone off to go talk to some football players. He's going to talk to some Utah State football players. Um, Calvin Tyler and I suddenly forgot the other person he was going to go talk to. Oh, Hale Motuapawaka. We'll, we'll have to ask him tomorrow whether or not Hale has his shirt on because that was something that 
you know, Eric told me once, was like, every time he goes out to practice, every time, Holly's just, you know, after practice, Holly's just still doing some drills when he's always got his shirt off. So we'll, we'll have to ask him. Maybe one of you can text him if, you, if I forget to bring it up. But uh, <laughs> ask him whether or not he did the interview where, where Holly was fully dressed. Um, but I want to talk about a little bit of NBA. Um, I know it's, it's not, the NBA is not a super exciting topic around here because the Jazz, you know, aren't going to be good this season. Or at least that's my opinion. You know, there's some people that are that are uh, predicting the Jazz to be a long shot, maybe a playoff team. I actually at one point was talking like, you know, maybe this roster can perhaps be uh, something close to a playoff team. And, and uh, I have since uh, changed my opinion on that. Um, just based on observations and thinking about it more. Um, just looking like, all right, who do I think is going to win it all? Who do I think is going to win MVP? Some basic things, and I, I want to hear what you guys have to say on this. You know, If you want to text in, 435-339-0321. That's the text line. You can send in you know, whatever predictions you want on the NBA, who wins rookie of the year, who wins coach of the year, who wins whatnot. So just wanted to go over some of my thoughts Granted, mine are kind of boring, and maybe that's maybe I shouldn't share them because they are boring. Because I was looking through this, I think, who do I think is going to win the NBA Finals? This is going to be a really tricky uh, pick to make, you know. Because I, you know, in the NFL, I picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl, and that pick's looking pretty shaky right now. But I picked the Warriors to win the NBA Finals, which is kind of boring. And I don't want them to win the NBA Finals. But for me, there's so much experience on that team, and they're still talented enough. They've not hit like the end of their prime. They're not too, you know, too far advanced in age to start wearing down. So I think that the Warriors, barring maybe a couple of injuries to some key players, you know, Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, uh, Andrew Wiggins, whatnot, since they have most of all that together, you know, they, they've still got a championship caliber roster and the most championship experience of anybody in the NBA. So it's just, it's hard for me to pick somebody else. You know, I'd like to be able to pick the Nuggets, but the Nuggets never seem to go anywhere in the playoffs, even though I like Nikola Jokic. Um, but speaking of Jokic, who's a two-time reigning MVP, uh, I'm not going to pick him for MVP because the entire NBA media world will melt down and explode if Jokic were to win MVP again. They were already whining and crying about him winning it a second time in a row for weird reasons. Basically, the only reason that he was not supposed to win NBA MVP last year, the only argument people had was he can't win it twice in a row. had nothing to do with whether or not Jokic was the best player in the NBA last year. It had all to do with, you know, legacy. Like, oh, who? I can't remember who the last person when back-to-back MVP was. I guess it was LeBron or, you know, the guys who won back-to-back MVPs, LeBron and I imagine Michael Jordan. Uh, Larry Bird, I think, won it three times in a row. Like, can we put Jokic in that category? It's like, if the dude won MVP twice in a row, he did. It shouldn't matter. But because MVP voting works kind of like that, where people will will uh, vote based off of weird storylines, um, I had to go somewhere else, and I went with Joel Embiid because he was so close last year, and I think he's gonna he's gonna do well this year. Um, and I think that'll end up winning him MVP. You know, he's going to put up really great stats, and the 76ers are going to be good again, and so I think Embiid is finally going to make that push and win MVP. Um, 
6891 texts in. They say, I'm happy with whoever wins the championship as long as LeBum and KD or Harden lose. Yeah, that's, I, I feel like that's a lot of people's opinion. People don't have the same hate for Steph Curry, but they do have that hate for uh, LeBron or Le GM or all the, you know, thousand different, uh, or Le Flop. I know a lot of people, there's a lot of different nicknames for LeBron. Uh, and then obviously I, I've kind of been burned out on Kevin Durant ever since he left OKC. And yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Harden either. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'd like to see someone other than the than the Warriors win it just for the sake of some. I mean, that's why I'd like to see like the Nuggets win. I was happy when the Bucks won. You know, different things like that. Now we're gonna take another quick break. I gotta get one more break in here, and we're already running towards the end of the show. And then I'll finish up the kind of bout that I've got going here. And some at least some of the interesting picks I have going for this. So we'll be back after this. What makes essential workers essential? We build safe roads for you to drive on. We harvest fresh produce for your families to eat. We help you heal when you're sick. We get you where you need to go. We keep where you work and live clean and safe. We make sure you get what you need to make your household work. You're the essential workers who help our nation run. You're in every city, town, and corner of our country, and you come from all over the globe. And you have essential protections under the law. I'm Marty Walsh. The Wage and Hour Division at the Department of Labor helps ensure you receive the essential protections you deserve. If you have questions about your pay or about your job protection during an illness, visit our website or call 866-4US-WAGE. That's 866-487-9243. We can provide help in more than 200 languages. Brought to you by the United States Department of Labor. Technology can make our lives more fun, convenient, and connect us with friends. But when tech is used for cyberbullying, children's lives can be damaged. Peter and Amanda Como found good communication protects their kids. I believe that using JW.org was beneficial in preparing me to talk to my children about pitfalls that maybe I wasn't even aware of. Anything that uh, me, as somebody who doesn't typically use too much social media, it was very beneficial to prepare me as a parent, not only to know what my children are facing, but how to address it with them specifically. One of those resources is the animated video, Beat a Bully Without Using Your Fist. Their 14-year-old daughter picked up tips to help if she was bullied. What's helped me is to just let it go, or if it's bothering you that much, talk to your parents about it, or an adult. Even though it may be embarrassing or hard to talk about, if you're being bullied, you need to speak up. To find more tips and tools to protect your child from cyberbullying, look to StopBullying.gov or search bullying on JW.org. We are there in your community. Small business owners, mechanics, police officers, homemakers. And we are there serving our nation in the Air Force Reserve. When medical emergencies arise, we meet the challenge. In cybersecurity, protecting and defending in cyberspace. When natural disasters happen, we are there in space. As a strong part of the nation's defense, we are there in the community and we are there for our nation. We share a vision to make a difference, united and focused, taking pride in being there in service of our country. We are reserve citizen airmen 
And we are there with over 180 different jobs to serve your country. Air Force Reserve. They never could play it, but they sure can talk about it. Eric Franson and Jason Walker on the Full Court Press. All right, we're back. Final minutes of the Full Court Press. Managed to mess something up, so we had a bit of a pause there. But wanted to finish out the show, basically maybe talk about kind of one more pick that I've got. I don't have the time to go through my full ballot, and I'm not confident on the rest of it anyway. But maybe my one hot take on you know, who I think is going to win NBA awards comes with Defensive Player of the Year. And it's a bit of a hot take, and it's also a bit of a homer take. Because I think Rudy Gobert has a real chance at winning NBA Defensive Player of the Year again. If he was with the Jazz, no chance. Not going to happen. But the fact that he's going to a new team, new place, uh, you know, a, a chance to, it's kind of like the Coach of the Year effect almost, where, you know, Coach of the Year is based entirely on, um, you know, how, how well a coach does, he comes in, and how many more wins can you get based off the last season. That's how Coach of the Year is decided. And so Rudy Gobert is going to have kind of that same effect where I think he's going to go to Minnesota and he's going to go in and be really, really good defensively, raise their floor defensively so much that people are just going to be having all these comparisons. Oh, this is how the T-Wolves were last year defensively and suddenly they're spectacular you know, this next year and that's going to really boost him and people aren't really going to be able to argue against that and you know, and the main argument against Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year will mainly be, can we give him another one? Because for some reason, that's an actual argument you make. And, and people are going to vote against him based off of that. But I think there's enough of the fact that he's changing locations, he's changing teams, and he's going to have such a positive impact on the Timberwolves' defense that I really think he has an actual shot at winning Defensive Player of the Year. It's a bit of a long shot because there's going to be other guys. You know, Giannis may be in the mix again. Um, It'll probably end up being somebody who's never been in the Defensive Player of the Year mix before because we're getting to the point with a lot of these guys where, again, people are making that argument of how many of these awards can you give them to because Giannis, I think, has one or two. Gobert's got three. You know, can Marcus Smart win it again? Maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. But that's going to do it for us here on the show. And Jason Walker, we'll have Eric Franson back with you tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Have a good night, everybody.